Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And welcome Real Presence Live listeners this morning. It's been a while since I've been able to join you on air, but it's good to be with you again. Nick Medelsky broadcasting live from southern Minnesota. I had originally planned to send uh, head on over to St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota, but with the blizzard warnings and the wind and the snow, I thought it would be a great day to host uh, from the home office in Wasika. So joining you this morning from Wasika, Minnesota, a very exciting show lined up today. Uh, first, we'll have Father Martin Nagy from western North Dakota to tell us about one of my favorite, if not my absolute favorite feast of the liturgical year in the Ukrainian Catholic Church, the Feast of the Theophany that we celebrate tomorrow. Uh, after him, uh, Father Tim Ferguson will join us to talk about Bishop Barriga, who's someone you may have heard me mention before. And if you're from our Duluth station, you might be familiar with him, but hopefully we can educate some of our other listeners about this wonderful uh, man on the road to sainthood. And then in the second hour, we'll be talking to the Banquet Soup Kitchen in Sioux Falls, the important work they do there in South Dakota. And then we'll close out the show by talking about the Holy Name Society, which may be something you've heard of before but uh, aren't really familiar with, if it still exists. A bit of a spoiler alert, it does. (laughs) That's why we're talking about it. And January is the month of the Holy Name, so a perfect time to discuss that. Well, before we get rolling, though, let's start this show as we start all things with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly King, Advocate, Spirit of Truth, who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of blessings, bestower of life, come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all that defiles us, and, O good one, save our souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, Christ is born. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the show today. And as I mentioned, our first guest joining me is Father Martin Nagy. He is a Ukrainian Catholic priest in charge of St. Demetrius Parish in Fairfield, North Dakota, and St. John the Baptist in Belfield, North Dakota. So welcome to the show, Father Marty. Thank you. Great to be here. God is good. And hopefully I didn't steal all of your thunder. Uh, Can you uh, tell our listeners a little (laughs) bit about yourself? Okay. Well, you already... uh began with uh, part of who I am. So my uh, bishop, C, Bishop Benedict, is in Chicago. And, um, you know, uh, before becoming a priest, I actually had a a few other careers. I uh, made deliveries for FedEx. I installed kitchen cabinets for Home Depot. I uh, was a social worker for a while with the homeless and at-risk elderly and youth. But mostly my uh, career has been in publishing uh, textbooks and Christian publications, mostly editing, but some writing. Uh, I grew up in Indianapolis, moved to Colorado, and then Arizona, and now Western North Dakota. Amazing. And uh, I, saw, I, I saw that last uh, move there from, from Arizona to uh, 
North Dakota there, and I thought, you know, what what are you thinking? Because this is probably your first uh, North Dakota winner. Oh, <laughs> well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, um, you know, there's, uh, you know, I, I, I know the uh, extremes. Uh, I've uh, felt 120 degrees weather and uh, 30 below zero. You know, Arizona windstorms <laughs> and, uh, and sandstorms and monsoons and North Dakota blizzards. But I there. must say that uh, uh, both have uh, beautiful uh, sunrises and uh, mm. uh, sunsets. And uh, actually, the parishes in both Arizona and North Dakota um, are small communities uh, that are like mm-hmm. family. Uh, and uh, actually, in North Dakota, our parishioners are mostly family. Many of the people are descendants of hardy Ukrainian pioneers and homesteaders mm-hmm. that made North Dakota livable and fruitful in the early uh, 1900s. Uh, the Ukrainian church here was began in 1904. But we actually have parishioners that are are not Ukrainian, though, uh, that have found the church through marriage or invitation or just because they like the, the beauty and the, the reverence of the Byzantine church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and that actually leads me to my next question. Uh, even though you're a Ukrainian Catholic priest, you're not uh, ethnically Ukrainian, right? Uh, so could you explain to our listeners how you came upon the Ukrainian Catholic Church? Uh, so, well... Uh, <clears throat> I was visiting uh, Madonna House, uh, which is a, a biritual Roman Catholic and Byzantine mm-hmm. religious community in Cubermere, Ontario. And uh, I came across a holy card with a, a picture of a man with a long white beard. And I was mm-hmm. struck by the thought, this person wants to pray for me. Uh, his <laughs> name was written in Cyrillic, so I, I didn't know who he was. So I, I put the holy card on my icon corner and daily asked for his prayers. Uh, when I moved to Arizona, though, uh, I met a Ukrainian Catholic priest, uh, Father Andrei Chorosky, mm. and he had that same picture in his home, and I said, who is that? He's been praying for me for the last five years. And <laughs> Father said, it's, uh, Father said, it's uh, Metropolitan Andrei Shaptitsky, uh, ah. and the Metropolitan now is uh, venerable. Uh, he's in the process of beatification. Father Andrei actually wrote a book about him. So Metropolitan Andrei prayed me into the Ukrainian church, and Father Andrei invited me. You know, heaven is always at work for our lives. Mostly I don't notice until all the, the pieces fall together. <laughs> so, but, yeah. but actually most of our uh, recent seminarians are, are not Ukrainian. The, mm-hmm. the church has some beautiful traditions that began in Ukraine, but it is a, a Greco-Catholic church for anyone of any nationality who the Holy Spirit attracts to its beauty, you know, depth and richness of the, the Byzantine Church. Absolutely, absolutely. And and you mentioned seminary. Um, I know some people use the term uh, late vocation. I don't really like that term uh, because I think God calls people at different stages in life, right? You know, it's not a not a late. Yeah. It's it's just a vocation. Uh, but you did, as you mentioned, kind of at the start, you did uh, enter seminary uh, later on in life. How did that happen? Well, it was actually many years of hesitation. Uh, when I was um, six years old, I actually told my dad, I'm going to be a priest. And so uh, in eighth grade, I wanted to go to a minor seminary for high school, um, but I hesitated. After high school, I was planning on studying for the uh, Indianapolis uh, Archdiocese, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just for some reason felt I wouldn't do well as a priest. But after college, I actually studied with the Franciscans for three years, but again, felt that 
I just don't have what it takes to be a priest. And later I even applied to a diocesan seminary, but I didn't go because I, I didn't think I'd be a good minister. <laughs> but finally, uh, Father Andre uh, and my spiritual father felt I had a vocation, so continued to encourage, encourage me. So I did join the Ukrainian seminary. But even when I was in my studies, I told Father Andre and Bishop Benedict that I just don't have what it takes to be a priest. And they said, you're right. <laughs> it's good that you know that because they said it's good that you know that because a priest needs to depend on God, not himself. So, uh, and my spiritual father said to me, "God knew what He was getting when He called you." So here I am, <laughs> depending on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's awesome. And with uh, with Bishop Benedict and, and Father Andre uh, confirming your vocation, I mean, those are two great uh, great lights in our church. Uh, I had the opportunity to have. Uh, class, virtual class, uh, with Father Andri at the start of the uh, Mission Institute program, and he's just oh, such, a, such a wealth of knowledge and, and such a holy man. Even even over the uh, the internet, uh, <laughs> you can tell he's a very holy and prayerful man and has done so much for our church, uh, so that's, a, that's quite, yeah. the, uh, quite the encouragement uh, right there. Uh, if you're just joining yeah. us now, I have uh, Father Martin Nagy on the phone uh, from Belfield, North Dakota, Fairfield, North Dakota. He's a Ukrainian Catholic priest out there in western North Dakota. And we're talking about kind of uh, his, his vocation story. And then, uh, as I mentioned in the, in the second half of our interview, we'll talk about uh, probably my favorite feast of the year, the Feast of the Holy Theophany. Uh, so uh, we were talking a bit about, um, you know, uh, your, your time in seminary. Part of your uh, seminary was at the... Uh, uh, St. Josephat Seminary in uh, D.C. there, which is like uh, next to uh, Catholic University of America, right? And then part of it was yeah. in uh, Ukraine. Uh, so what was what was that like, you know, splitting your time between here in the United States and, and then going to Ukraine for a while there at the end? Uh-huh. Well, uh, you know, uh, Catholic University has some uh, uh, wonderful uh, professors, uh, so I got some... Uh, good training there. But part of the reason that uh, Bishop Benedict sent me uh, to Ukraine was to experience the, the glory of the, the church there. And so I was in Lviv, which is uh, western Ukraine, uh, and actually about half of <laughs> Lviv's population is Greco-Catholic. There's many beautiful Catholic churches there. Mm. And uh, I served as a, a deacon uh, uh, daily at the, the liturgies at St. George Cathedral. And actually, wow. that's where uh, Metropolitan Andrei uh, Shatipsky's body is entombed. So I would, wow. I would go and I would arrive early every morning and, and spend a good, ta- good bit of time just praying in front of his casket in the, in the crypt. But the uh, cathedral's liturgies were just so beautiful. I often had tears in my eyes. Mm. And uh, the people there were so devout. Uh, I was there for Palm Sunday and Easter, and the weather was still winter. Uh, and the mm. cathedral was just overflowing with people shoulder mm. to shoulder. And so over 100 people who could not fit in the church stood for two hours outside in the snow and wow. rain for the liturgy. Wow. And, uh, and uh, you know, when I would walk through uh, downtown Lviv and my cassock, dozens of people, even college-aged people, would greet me with, you know, glory to Jesus Christ or Christ is risen, you know, in Ukrainian, mm. of course. Right, and, uh, right. you know, often, uh, often the men would, would tip their hats to me. Uh, so, uh, wow. you know, it was just a wonderful place to, to be a Christian, uh, you know, and, and to see the, the beauty of the church and visit the, the uh, wonderful monasteries they have there. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I, I haven't been able to to go yet, but I've I've just heard from everyone who has been able to go to Ukraine just what a beautiful experience it is, especially a country that you know uh, this this year just celebrated its 20th anniversary of independence, right, uh, from the Soviet yeah. Union. So um, definitely, a, a, the, our Ukrainian Catholic Church was underground until about 20 years ago in Ukraine, and still has done a tremendous job in 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 building building things back up in that short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've mentioned him a few times, um, and I think we'd be remiss and uh, uh, without uh, mentioning him a little bit more, but uh, we've said the name uh, Metropolitan Andriy Sheptitsky. Uh, would you mind uh, explaining to our listeners a little bit about who he is, just in case they're wondering? Okay. So, uh, Metropolitan Andriy Sheptitsky... Uh, was really given to the Ukrainian church at a, a time, I think, when they really needed to be uh, strengthened. Some people would even claim that uh, it was uh, through uh, his foresight and intercession and strong leadership that it kept uh, the Ukrainian Catholic Church alive. Uh, he was there uh, in the uh, uh, first part of the... Um, 20th century. He died in uh, 1944. But, uh, you know, he was there, uh, you know, when the, the, the Soviets made a play and then the Nazis came in there. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, he had strong leadership. In fact, uh, you know, he uh, uh, saved many of the, the Jewish people uh, mm-hmm. during the uh, uh, time of uh, the, the Nazi uh, rule in uh, Ukraine, uh, insisting that his clergy and, and monasteries take them in. He even wrote letters to uh, to uh, the uh, government in Ger- Germany to stop that. He was very outspoken about that. Uh, he um, created uh, uh, and brought in uh, orders uh, of religious, uh, you know, uh, the uh, um, just did a lot to uh, prepare the country for uh, the years that were going to come where it was going to be illegal to be a Ukrainian, right. uh, a, a Greco-Catholic in the Soviet Union. And that was the case up until right before their independence. Uh, you know, the, the late 80s was the first time when uh, some uh, one of the churches stepped out and, uh, you know, they were surrounded by priests uh, for the, I mean, by the police that whole time uh, guarding mm. the church night and day uh, when they uh, uh, came out. And then uh, uh, finally they got their independence. And actually, Father uh, uh, Andrei uh, Chorosky, uh was invited to uh, give the first retreat they had when the church was finally no longer. Uh, um, under uh, uh, the illegality, and he came and spoke at one of the churches in Lviv, and there were not just, uh, they were just amazed uh, that thousands of people showed up for Mm. that. They were lining the the streets because they were so hungry for the word uh, that the uh, after 50 years or so of, Ill, of it being illegal, they assumed that the church may have died out, maybe, uh, you know, a few hundred right. thousand, you know, and about five million people came out of the wordwork saying that they were still Ukrainian Catholic wow. after all those years. Wow. It, it's really, 
it's always amazing and and beautiful and inspiring to me uh reading about you know those years of the of the catacomb church right and uh and having to function in the shadows and in the uh you know you read about the i can't remember his name but one of the bishops in uh view who uh you know said liturgy in his apartment and they had to cover the windows and and do it real yes, quiet exactly. and everything which Quiet, quiet divine liturgy has to be difficult uh, on a certain level because we love oh, to yeah. sing and yeah. and all of that. So, um, but just it's beautiful to see the church where it is now and growing and expanding, not just in Ukraine but across the globe. So, uh, very yeah. exciting to talk about uh, our beautiful Ukrainian Catholic Church and our Ukrainian Catholic traditions. So, stick with us through the break, um, and after the break, we will talk about the Holy Feast of Theophany, probably one of my favorite Ukrainian Catholic traditions. Stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, this is Father Jim Herter from the Diocese of Rapid City in South Dakota. Have you ever thought about the saints as being kind of like role models in your life? Hey, if you want the fast track to holiness, I think one of the greatest ways, at least for me, that I found is just looking at the lives of the saints. They're kind of like my big brothers and sisters, you know? Just kind of study them, read about them, know what they liked, what they didn't like, and they weren't perfect. But when you listen about what they did, and you see how they did it, how they went about doing it, um, you can see that the Lord works through them. And sometimes those things come back into our memories when we get in similar situations. Have you ever thought that you might be the saint that somebody might be praying to someday, asking for help? That could very well be the case. So anyway, just a little word of encouragement. Be a saint today. Talk to the saints from yesterday. Help some saint out in the future. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. And thanks for sticking with us on a blustery Wednesday morning for Real Presence Live. Nick Medelsky broadcasting from Wasika, Minnesota, uh, safely uh, not driving around on the roads in the wind and the snow, so... Uh, hopefully you are somewhere safe and warm as well. Uh, the, we've been talking with uh, Father Martin Nagy, 
uh, from Western North Dakota, Ukrainian Catholic priest. We talked a bit about his uh, his path to the priesthood and uh, about our beautiful Ukrainian Catholic Church. And now I'd like to kind of focus in on, on one of the reasons I asked Father Marty to come on this morning, uh, which is the beautiful Feast of the Theophany, which we celebrate as Ukrainian Catholics tomorrow on January 6th. Um, said the the word theophany, that might be a new word for some people. So, uh, Father Marty, could you explain to our listeners what that word means and uh, what we're celebrating on that day? So, uh, theophany comes from the Greek word for uh, appearance or manifestation of God. Uh, Roman Catholics would know epiphany, uh, which means manifestation. So we celebrate uh, the baptism of Jesus because at his baptism... God appeared. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all there. Uh, it was uh, clearly revealed to us at that time that the one God is a trinity. The Father spoke, the Holy Spirit descended as a dove, and the Father called Jesus his beloved Son. So this is the manifestation. God is trinity. God is three persons who are one, united in love. And Jesus is the incarnate God, fully human and fully God. So this is incredibly important. Absolutely, and uh, looking back in the in the early centuries of the church, right? Um, this feast used to be more uh, used to be Christmas and uh, Theophany used to be combined, right? And then over the, right, yeah. over so, the centuries, uh, so uh, yeah, the Eastern Church uh, from the early times celebrated uh, Theophany, and uh, and yeah, uh, oftentimes they would remember the the Nativity then. Uh, it was actually, I guess, what, 336 that the Roman Catholic Church was the first to celebrate uh, Nativity. And then uh, later in the 4th century, uh, the Eastern Church started started to celebrate the Nativity, and the uh, uh, Roman Catholic Church then started to celebrate uh, Theophany, but they called it Epiphany. So we exchanged feasts then in the late 4th century. <laughs> Right, and uh, Epiphany kind of in the West came to be more focused on the uh, the visit of the three Magi, which we actually read that gospel uh, the day of Nativity uh, for us in the in the East. So right, exactly. we we, we yeah. moved the kings uh, over to that uh, <laughs> feast. Roman Catholics yeah. put them on Epiphany, and uh, it, Roman Catholics at least historically kind of celebrated, you know, the the Epiphany, the baptism. And uh, the uh, the miracle at the wedding at Cana on Epiphany, but over time those kind of focus shifted more to the to the visit of the Magi, and so even had the Roman Catholics institute a separate feast, right, uh, to celebrate Theophany, yeah. that feast of the baptism of the Lord. So it's something that's important, yeah. and and I think a case uh, right when uh, Saint John Paul II talked about the importance of the Church breathing with both lungs, and the East and West kind of uh, spiritually. Uh, enriching each other it's a it's a clear case of that exactly uh so um it's such an important feast uh how do we how do we celebrate it because i think it's uh you know in the, people who aren't familiar with our tradition might not be aware of how big of a deal um the uh, feast of the theophany is for us well um it's an important feast uh because uh uh, as we see in the manifestation of the incarnate Jesus, God the Son took on human nature for all of eternity. So 
So God is not only with us, he is one of us. And, you know, this changes what it means to be human. Uh, you know, um, one of the, the earliest uh, saints, St. Irenaeus, said, Our Lord Jesus Christ became what we are, that he might bring us to be even what he is himself. You know, St. Athanasius put it this way, The Son of God became man so that we might become God. So because of Jesus, it's possible for our humanity to be united with God. I mean, we don't become gods, as some religions say. We don't lose our right. human nature. We'll always be human. But we are adopted by God, as St. Paul says, or as St. Peter mm-hmm. says in his epistle. His divine power has granted that you may become partakers of the divine nature. I mean, this is a mystery to us, but, you know, also... God is three persons in one, so we, too, do not lose our personhood when uniting with God. Each one Mm. of us remains an individual person while being one with God. And this actually can change how we live our Christianity. So the goal, then, is not to get to heaven. It's to be united with God, a marriage. So instead of seeing Christianity as merely a moral code that paves the way to heaven, it's about being in a, a healing relationship with Jesus. You know, if God just wanted us to behave better, he could have kept sending prophets to remind us. But the humanity in Christ has been raised to the level of God. And so we immerse ourselves in Jesus as he immersed himself in the in the Jordan River. You know, so it's it's about healing uh, any part of our humanity that we do not let Jesus touch is not redeemed. So we don't want to hide our woundedness or bad behavior from God as Adam and Eve did. We want... Jesus to wash it in his divinity, and Adam and Eve tried to become like God without God, and, but the only way to become God with like God is to have Jesus and the Holy Spirit transform us. So in this light, the sacraments become more important because it's not just about the way we behave, it's the Holy Spirit working in us through baptism, Eucharist, confession, and marriage and holy orders, too, that change our hearts, minds, and whole being, so the sacraments can heal us and deliver us from these impurities and illnesses and obstacles that keep us from uniting with God. We, become, we call becoming like God theosis. The, the Roman Catholic Catechism calls it, you know, deification or divinization. Mm-hmm. But the sacraments sanctify us to further our process of theosis. So, of course, we, we venerate saints. They, they are still human like us, but Jesus has raised their humanity to be partakers of God's divinity. They are united with God himself. And, you know, our human nature isn't foul, as some would say. It's eternally venerated because the Son of God himself is fully human for all eternity. So we, we celebrate the manifestation of, of God breaking into humility, humanity. And uh, also, of course, we remember uh, Jesus' baptism, which was the beginning of his public ministry. And this feast also reminds us of our own baptism, which reminds us that we are God's sons and daughters, you know, part of the body of Christ, heirs to the kingdom, temples of the Holy Spirit, you know, with a mission uh, to grow in faith and holiness and to help build God's kingdom on earth and share God's love with the world. Beautifully put. Absolutely beautifully put. Uh, We only have a few minutes left, Father, but I would be remiss if I didn't give you a chance to talk about kind of one of the centerpieces of our celebration of Theophany, which is the great blessing of the waters. Uh, Could you tell our listeners a little bit about what that is? 
Yeah, so uh, Jesus stepped into the river uh, Jordan, and so he sanctified all water. And so we bless uh, water during the liturgy. We call this Jordan water. Uh, the priest dips uh, a three-branch candle representing the Trinity, blesses it with the sign of the cross and his breath. And then the people are blessed during the liturgy. And we take the, the holy water home, and they drink it and bless themselves with it for their health and perfect, uh, protection. And then, of course, after the priest, the, the, the priest after the feast blesses the homes of the parishioners through the Jordan. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, traditionally it's celebrated at a uh, body of water like a river, and we throw a cross in it, and then the cross moves out into the ocean, and we bless the waters of, of the whole world. And uh, But this is really uh, our liturgy where we're blessing the water and we're blessing people's homes and we're blessing the people because Jesus himself sanctified all water when he stepped into the River Jordan. Absolutely. And, and one thing I'm very excited about, this will be our first, uh, first theophany here in uh, Minneapolis, but uh, our pastor blesses the uh, Mississippi River. That's what he... Uh, Oh, for the traditional blessing of a body of water. So the Mississippi River sometimes does some stuff it's not supposed to. Um, so it probably uses all the blessings it can to, to stay where it's supposed to and not uh, not flood its banks and things like that. So uh, just one of the cool uh, things about, you know, liturgy and uh, our faith, not just being something, right, that's closed into the church, but something that really spreads out into the world. And uh, what a beautiful, you know, concrete representation of that. Again, like you said, that all water is blessed now, right? Um, is blessed by Christ there and at, uh, at his baptism, and now we continue to bless that water, whether it's in the, in the font at the church or a body of water out uh, in the wild, so to speak. Um, so, so if people would like to find out more and maybe uh, join you at uh, St. Demetrius or St. John the Baptist, uh, where would they find out more information? Okay, so uh, St. Demetrius has a website, and St. John the Baptist has a Facebook page. Uh, my contact information is on both, and they're in Belfield, uh, North Dakota. And, uh, and uh, tomorrow we will celebrate Theophany at 8 a.m. at St. John the Baptist and 5 p.m. at uh, St. Demetrius. Awesome. Well, th and uh, I'd like to share that uh, in uh, Minneapolis at St. Constantine, which is uh, my parish, we'll be celebrating, uh, start with Divine Liturgy at 8.30 in the morning, bright and early tomorrow morning. Uh, so I'll be there for that with the great blessing of the water at the end of the liturgy and then uh, the the uh, blessing of the Mississippi River after that. So uh, more than welcome to join us if that's uh, something you're able to do or um, join us at any time for Divine Liturgy on a Sunday. So thank you so much for joining us this morning, Father Marty. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. And before you leave, would you uh, give us your blessing? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we ask you to put all of heaven to work for Nick and the listeners and our families and surround us with your holy angels and cover us with the prayers of your saints. Uh, increase our capacity to love you and love one another and be loved by you. And may the blessing of our Lord Jesus Christ come upon you through his grace and love for all humankind, now and forever and ever, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Marty. Up next, stay tuned with us through the break. We're going to be talking about Bishop Frederick Berga with Father Tim Ferguson. Stay tuned. Live, engaging, and local. 
This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 